You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. I felt when I was in Louisiana that God wanted me uh, to just do a little short sermon series, uh, and he was challenging me, um, and I feel like if he's challenging me, then he wants to challenge the congregation as well. Um, And so sometimes when God speaks to me, uh, although it is in love, although it is grace, sometimes the truth hurts. Uh, And uh, and I felt like God was uh, telling me that I needed to improve in my love walk. There were some areas in my life that I needed to improve in my love walk. And I said, okay, I'm going to study that. I'm going to look into that. He showed me some things on what I could preach and say. And I said, okay, well, as I'm learning about it and I'm walking this out, I want to encourage congregation, because if I need to hear it, more than likely we all can hear it. Something that we can all work on is we need to improve our love walk. The scripture that we're basing this whole sermon series off of is John 13, 34 and 35. This is Jesus speaking. We can put that up there. Jesus says, a new commandment. This isn't like all the other commandments that have been given. This is him, God himself, giving a brand new commandment right here, right now. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Because at this point, Jesus had just come to the earth. He hadn't been on the earth uh, all throughout when the old commandment was there. Now he's there. He's shown the disciples over the years of the, the couple of months and years that he's been together how he loves humanity. So he's telling his disciples, here's a brand new commandment that I give you, that you love one another as you have seen me love you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this, by loving other people just like I love This will all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all will know. Well, if I go out there and tell them, if I go out there and wear a Jesus shirt, if I put a Jesus bumper sticker on my car, if I listen to the Jesus radio real loud when I'm at a stop sign, no, no, how do people know that I'm their disciple? Jesus says, people will, everyone will know by the way that you love them. And how do you love them? You love them how you've seen me love them. So how can we improve our love walk? And last week it started with, how do I improve my love walk? Is by receiving God's love first. I didn't love first, he loved first. Scripture says he demonstrated his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he demonstrates his love. He says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us by calling us His children. God being rich in mercy with His great love for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. We talked about last week the craziness of God's love. We talked about last week about the sloppiness of God's love. About the craziness It just doesn't make any sense to me because I have boundaries on my love, if I'm being honest. I can't say that I love the whole world. I don't even know the whole world. But it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave. And just in reading those couple of scriptures and seeing how God demonstrates, how God bestows, how God so loved, all of these words of him loving, and then seeing how I was described. I was a sinner. I was an enemy. And he bestowed his love and called me a child. 
So how do we improve our love walk? The first step is you walking out and receiving God's love. And then once you receive God's love, now you know what that love is like, and now you can also freely give. As you've experienced, when we have the blessing of Abraham on us, we talk about here, I am blessed, and I also get the opportunity to be a blessing to other people. I am loved, and I also get the opportunity to love other people. It's not just God just using us older Christians who have been in the game for so long and just pushing the blessing past us. Well, you've been in church for 10 years. I want to get you to bless that person that just came in off the street. No, no, no. God wants to love you first. Fill you up with love. Fill you up with peace. Fill you up with everything. He wants a relationship with you first, and then you can hand out that love to many people. So what we're going to talk about today is kind of the next thing. We're going to do three different ways to improve our love walk. One through words, one through actions, and one through relationships over the next three weeks. This week we're going to talk about love in words. Love in words. We don't have cable, but on uh, there's a, a late night TV show host, Jimmy Kimmel. You've probably heard of him before. He does a segment almost once a month that's very popular uh, called Mean Tweets. I don't know if you ever heard it. Uh, and what it is, is Jimmy Kimmel goes through Twitter and pulls out some of the meanest tweets, the meanest words that people have written about celebrities, about musicians, about sports stars. And then he brings those people into a room and he makes them read the tweet that somebody wrote about them. And to be honest, a lot of those tweets are very vulgar, very inappropriate, a lot of curse words. And it's this thing that usually goes viral on the internet as these celebrities who probably already are insecure because they're constantly on camera, sports who are constantly striking out, missing the big shot, not scoring the field goal, not scoring the touchdown, these guys who are writing music, pouring their heart into their music, and it getting laughed at, not getting awards. Now they have to go to this segment, sit on this stool, and read a tweet from Joe Smith in the middle of nowhere America, make fun of that person on TV. And it gets millions and millions and millions of views. I think we have a problem, not with talking. We're all about talking. We're very good at talking. We've made more avenues for us to talk. Social media has opened the door for not just to talk to my neighbor, but now I can talk to anybody all over the world at any time and say whatever I want in 140 characters or less. Used to be I had to write a letter, put something in the newspaper. We don't have a problem with talking, but we do have a problem with how we use our words. It's believed that there's around 750,000 to a million words in the English language. In the Webster's Dictionary, just in 1993, there were 470,000 words that were in the dictionary in 1993. I believe this year on Webster's Dictionary on, their, on the uh, internet, it said that they added like three, 400 new words to the dictionary. Words are expanding 
We're making up words. We're making up these new sayings that have to be now put in the dictionary. Studies show, and the numbers were all over the place, that people speak anywhere from 7,000 to 16,000, up to 20,000 words a day. There was one study a while back that said men speak 7,000 words, women speak 20,000 words. We'll do a marriage series down the road and address that. It came out on average. Another study I saw said that's maybe not as accurate. So people usually speak around 16,000 words a day. So I did some Cajun math. Let's just assume that you speak 10,000 words a day. You might think I talk a lot, but I use my whole 10,000 in this one hour, and I'm not going to talk the rest of the day. I don't talk at all after Sunday, after I get done off the stage. So if you speak 10,000 words a day, oh, sorry about that. (laughs) That means you speak 3,650,000 words a year. The average lifespan right now in America is right at 80, 79.62 or something like that. So if you speak 10,000 words a day, 3.6 million words a year, and you're alive for 80 years, that's 292 million words that you're speaking throughout your lifetime. It also says in the scriptures that you're going to give an account for every word that you say. No wonder we're going to be there for eternity. 300 million words just for one person. God, this is the longest line ever, God. God's like, I heard that. I wrote that down too. Dang it. Dang it. 300 million words that you speak over your lifetime. What are those words? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they giving glory to God? Are they giving glory to your unbelief? We have a problem with our words. How can we improve our love walk? It's got to start with what we're saying. I googled just a simple thing last night. I typed in how to talk. And on Google, they do an autofill where the little drop down does and it says like all the different things of what you could potentially be looking for. Here were the top 10 things that were put on how to talk when I searched Google. Number one, the number one thing, how to talk, how to talk to girls. Number one thing that was searched when somebody types in how to talk, the next thing that's said is how to talk to girls. Number two, how to talk to people. The number three thing most searched when somebody types in how to talk is how to talk to God. Number four, it gets crazy. How to talk to your cat about gun safety. (laughs) Number five, how to talk to your crush. Number six, how to talk in Spanish. Number seven, how to talk to your cat. Made another appearance. Number eight, how to talk to girls at parties. Now we're, we're not just talking to girls, now we're taking it a step further. I've talked to the girl, but now I've got to talk to her at the party. Number nine, how to talk, was the only thing they searched. Just how to talk at all. I don't even know how to talk. And number 10, how to talk 
to boys. When you type in how to talk, the top ten searches on Google. Number one, how do you talk to girls? We'll have to do a marriage series way down the line, but it looks like we need to know. We don't know how to talk to the opposite sex. We don't know how to talk to boys. We're looking at that. We don't know how to talk to girls. We don't know how to talk to girls at parties. Might have to do a sermon series on cats. I don't know. We don't know how to talk to cats. Number three, how do we talk to God? Number two, how do we talk to people? People are searching and Googling and asking. I'm trying to have a conversation. I'm trying to communicate, but it's not working. It's not right. It's not, we're having disagreements. Well, let's go to the Bible as we dive into this today. Colossians 4 Verse 6, and I'm going to be honest with you, this is a scripture uh, that sometimes I read scriptures in the Bible, and I kind of get angry at God at what he wrote, because when I read it now, I'm responsible to react to what that scripture says, and I'm not doing a good job with this, and and maybe you can join me with it. Let's look at it, Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always, you know what, God, we got to talk about that, be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. If I'm being honest, that scripture rubs me wrong. I don't like it. My flesh, it doesn't like it because I got an opinion and I want to tell you about it. But the scripture says, let your speech always be with grace. Oh, that means I'm going to have to shut my mouth a lot more than... When I'm interacting with my wife, when I'm interacting just in my car and I'm in the drive-thru and that person in front of me is, I mean, I got to get my cheeseburger. Come on, let's, what are you ordering? What's going on? I ain't got time to wait. Let's do it. Let's do it. When I'm at work and my boss tells me to do something, when that coworker who's way too cheerful on a Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. comes strolling up to the water cooler. When that family member pulls their car up to the house, yep, okay. When we see something on social media, let my speech always be with grace. And I enjoy preaching this sermon and and telling people about this scripture because now you get to bear the burden with me. It's not just me having to reconcile and fight with this scripture. Now it's on you, ha ha. Haha, ha, you get to play with it too. So I started diving into this scripture because I wanted to see if there were any loopholes. I wasn't studying it to show myself approved and worthy. I was studying to find loopholes in how I could talk to people. So the word speech there is logos. It means a word uttered by a living voice. It embodies a conception or idea. Okay, that's not a loophole. That's, that's everything. That's, that's everything I'm saying. Okay, all right. It's a word uttered by my living voice. All the grunts, all the things I say underneath my breath, what I say in the car when nobody else is around, what I scream in the shower, what I say to close family members in the house when I'm stressed and being vulnerable, what I say to God, what I say to people in the church, what I say to people in the community about people in the church, 
A word uttered by a living voice embodies a conception or idea. James 1, chapter 19. Know this, my beloved brethren, let every man or woman, getting y'all in there too, women, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You want to know how to not get angry in a conversation? Here's the formula. Be swift to hear. That's not how we work anymore. We're swift to speak in any conversation because I'm going to get my point across to you. You're going to hear me. You're going to hear me loud and clear. You're going to hear what I have to say. And I don't even care what your rebuttal is or what you have to say, but that's not what the Scripture teaches us to do if we're going to improve our love walk in our talking, in our speech. It says we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak. And when we're swift to hear and slow to speak, the immediate reaction is being slow to wrath. Because how many times have I taken this foot, put it deep in my mouth? Because when those words are spoken, no matter how hard you try, oh, there they go. See you later, words. And how many times, and I've been guilty of it myself, talking with my wife, and husbands and wives, we've been married long enough, it'll be nine years, I believe, in October, where you have that bag of arrows in those words, and boy, you can pull that out. I've got the perfect one for you. And when you say that thing and you watch that arrow go and hit her and you see it and her recoil, okay, all right, we're done talking. I might have won the battle, but boy, did I lose the war because I wasn't swift to hear. I was swift to speak. And because I was swift to speak, boom, swift to wrath. Let your speech be always with grace. So then I say, well, that's not the loophole that I was looking for. Let's look for another loophole. Let's see what in Colossians 4, 6, what the word always means, because there's got to be some type of loophole there that I can do. And the word always, pantote, P-A-N-T-O-T-E, that word means at all times, always, ever. Whoo! Nope. That's also not my loophole. That's, it's, it's actually making it worse. You know what? The scripture's actually, actually getting worse the more I dive into it because it says, let your speech be at all times, always and forever, be full of grace. Psalms 34, verse 1. Look at David speaking. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you find yourself talking negative as you check your your word talk, as you check yourself to see, am I talking positive, am I talking negative, what am I saying? If you find out, you know what, I am being negative. I've got some negative things that I'm saying in my life. I'm negative about this relationship. I'm negative about work. I'm negative about the house, the kids, the dog, this, that. Then apply this scripture to your life. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means if I'm blessing the Lord at all times, I don't have time to talk about the negative. Sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and say, praise God. Glory be to God. Goodness. Praise, praise the Lord. His mercies endure forever. Because my patience isn't enduring forever, but His mercy endures forever. My pastor, Pastor Eric, always talks about, he says, if you get so busy doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. You got a sin problem, keep finding yourself doing all the don'ts. He says, just start making a habit of doing the do's. And you'll get so busy doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. If you find yourself being negative, just make it a habit. To start speaking the good, you'll be speaking the good so much, you'll find out in a week, three months, six months, three years, ten years, how much your life will change and also how much your words will change. I was running away from God when I was in high school, kind of mainly college, and Still going to church because mom and dad made us go to church and we were always there, but just kind of doing our own thing and doing stuff behind the scenes with our friends and stuff. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had a potty mouth. I, I cussed a whole bunch, a lot, um, and just hung out with a bunch of people that did. And one day I was, we were in college and we were at somebody's dorm room and we were sitting there just talking, me and a couple people, and... Uh, and there was this girl who wasn't saved, who wasn't a part of our church, who, who, who wasn't a part of church that was there. And we were just talking. And she looks at me from across the room. She says, you sure do cuss a bunch. I said, what? I probably rattled off some words after that. She said, don't you all go to the same church together? You sure do cuss a bunch. And it stuck with me for the rest of the night as I walked away from that party and that group of everybody. I said, man, there's an unsafe person, a sinner, who said, I cuss a bunch. Oh, no. And really from that point on, I started this journey of saying, well, I'm just not going to cuss anymore. If, if that's the type of witness that is being portrayed out there, even though I was still running from God... It impacted me enough to say, you know what, I'm going to change what I'm saying and how I'm speaking. When I was at CF&I, uh, I was part of, um, uh, oh, what, are the, what are they called? Um, when you help out people on the floor, um, like a dorm assistant or, or an RA, thank you. Uh, and so I was an RA, and uh, at night we had to do curfew checks. So we would sit downstairs of, uh, of the, the men's dorm, and people would come in from work or whatever they were doing. They had to give us their badge number and the reason why they were late and stuff like that. And uh, so me and one of my very good friends, he was in my wedding, we were, uh, we were um, there doing uh, the duty together and uh, curfew duty. And uh, one of the other RAs came down and was sitting with us, and he was just... He was just talking and talking and talking, and 
uh, it was late, it's like midnight that we had to stay up till, and, uh, and I wanted to talk to my friend about some things, and uh, we would usually just sit up, talk about the Bible, talk about work, and different things like that, and uh, so I grabbed my phone, and I was texting my friend, and I was like, man, and what I said was, can you believe this guy? Like, he will not stop talking, and I hit send, and when I looked at the word of the name on there, it was not to my friend to my left, it was to the guy who was talking to the right. As I looked down at my phone, I looked at him, and on the table, his phone started vibrating. And I said, oh no, I was not swift to listen, I was swift to speak, and because of that, I was swift to wrath. And now I'm in trouble. And the guy picks up his phone and looks at the text message and looks at me. Luckily, I didn't say the person's name in that text. And he looks down at his phone and he texts me back and he says, what are you talking about? And at this time, my friend that I was close to was actually talking about a fishing story and how he was catching a fish. I said, well, I'm just going to cover my butt here. And so I texted him back and I said, enough about the fish already, huh? And he was like, oh, I didn't think it was that bad of a story. And I was like, oh, I'm, uh, and I texted him back, said, oh, I'm just tired, you know. And, and he said, oh, okay, well, y'all can go to sleep or whatever. And I was like, and I walked away and he got up and left and we were shutting everything down. And I told my friend the story. He had no idea, even though it was meant to be text to him. And he just laughed at me and said, you're an idiot. I said, I I know, I know, but I was so swift to talk, swift to let your speech always be with grace. Let's see what that word grace is. Okay, God, if you're saying that everything that I say all the time needs to be with grace, then what is grace? Maybe there's a loophole there. Maybe grace means say whatever you want, however you want, in their face, with your finger in their face. Maybe there's got to be a definition somewhere for grace. I'm looking for loopholes here, guys. Help me out. The word grace here is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. That which affords joy, that which affords pleasure, that which affords delight, that which affords sweetness, that which affords charm, that which affords loveliness, grace of speech is the definition. I don't see a lot of grace in the social media world, even from some of my Christian friends here recently. I don't see a lot of grace in our interactions, day-to-day people. That when I talk, always, I'm speaking joy, speaking pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. That hit me like an arrow. Oh, wow, God. I need to improve my love walk. I need to improve it. There's a lot of improvement that I need. I've been walking this walk for a long time, but there's still some improvement. Because my speech isn't always like that. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Okay, let's see what the word salt is. I'm pulling at strings here. I'm looking for one more loophole. I'm throwing one more grenade into this thing to try and blow it up to help me say what I want to say when I want to say it. That word salt, the definition, the, the very last definition means wisdom and grace ex- 
exhibited in speech. All right, God, now you're just toying with me here. But I love this definition of salt. Salt is a symbol of lasting concord because it protects food from putrefaction and preserves it unchanged. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that when you're having a conversation, that seasoning with salt, you're either helping somebody or you're hindering somebody and bringing them to putrefaction. That I can preserve them unchanged and help them when I encounter a conversation with somebody? Can I preserve them? Can I help them? Or am I helping them get more putrid? How am I seasoning my conversation? I'm already bringing joy and pleasure and all those things in my conversation at all times. I've checked all those boxes. All Now it says on top of that, you've got to season your conversation with salt. Are you helping people? Or are you tearing down people? So as I go into every conversation with somebody, this scripture slaps me in the face. As I'm walking away from that conversation, as I'm walking away from that text, as I'm walking away from that social media post, is that helping people? I've typed something up, I've attached this, and I've put this screenshot, and I've put this meme, and I've done that, and I've done that, and I'm about to post it. Is it seasoned with salt? Is it going to help people? Or is it going to bring putrefaction in their lives? I told you all I didn't like the scripture. It's not because it challenges you. It challenges us in our love walk. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We know that. We know that. Soft answer turns away wrath. And a soft answer isn't just you whispering. I hate you. You're the worst person ever. I hope you die. God bless you. No, no, it's not, it's not a whisper. It's a, it's, a, it's a soft, gentle, turns away wrath. It brings down craziness. I, I understood that and used that scripture all the time when I worked in the jail. I was not the biggest of fellas. We've talked about this before. There were a lot bigger men in the jail than me, but I knew how to interact and talk with them. And a lot of times I could calm them down and we could have a conversation without us wrestling on this dirty floor, throwing handcuffs everywhere. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh one stirs up anger. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt word... Come on, God. You just make these absolutes out there. You don't give me any leeway. You don't give me just, just one moment to get that sucker punch in. Just that one little jab. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, not putrefaction, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. How to improve your love walk. Communication, the imparting or exchanging of information or news. Communication, the means of connecting between people or places. I've got two more points left and then we're done. We're shutting, down, shutting it down now. Here's a couple steps, just some practical steps for you when it comes to communication. 
Number one, be an engaged listener. This is something that I need to work on, and my wife will amen to that. Luckily, she's not in here to do that. Be an engaged listener. Because I'm a listener when doing stuff. Yeah, 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 honey, yeah, no, I'm just, uh uh-huh, yeah, no, uh uh-huh. And then I'll come back in, and she'll say, what, where's the thing that I asked you for? Uh, It's... What was that again? So we could be on the same page. Be an engaged listener. Avoid interruptions or redirecting the conversation. I'm not listening to rebuttal. I'm listening to hear. Number two, pay attention to nonverbal skills. Pay attention to nonverbal skills when you're having a conversation. Avoid negative body language. Like a four-year-old pouting. <sighs> Be an engaged listener. Avoid. And also pay attention to the, verbal sk- the nonverbal skills that someone is saying to you. Number three, keep stress in check. Oh, that's easy, right? Just keep stress. All right, let's move on. No, keep stress in check. Pause to collect your thoughts. If you want to keep your stress in check... Sometimes it's better just to say, let me gather my thoughts. Before you hit send on that text message, before you send on that email, before you hit send on that social media post, just pause, collect your thoughts. Have I seasoned this thing with salt? And how is that salt going to be distributed to the person who's about to read and receive it? Putrefication or blessing? Keep the stress in check. Number four, Assert yourself, value yourself, and learn to say no. Value yourself and learn to say no. When you have a conversation with someone, don't let them just override you. Don't let them just jump on you and blah, 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 blah. No, no, value yourself. If you're important to God, then you have some value in yourself. And the thing that we could all do is learn to say no. Sometimes it's so hard in the church world because we're called to serve, we're called to give, we're called to do all these things, and we're doing and doing and doing and doing. But even God and Jesus himself took some time, told his disciples, we need to go and rest. We need to go and eat. We need to go and pray. Search yourself, value yourself, and learn to say no. We're going to finish with this real quick. I want to show you Jesus walking his love walk out in words. We're just going to highlight this chapter. Mark chapter 5, Jesus in the end of Mark chapter 4 has just gotten in a boat with his disciples. There's a storm going. He says, peace be still. The disciples are drenched. They're soaking wet. They thought they were about to die because of this storm. They get off of the boat after this, after he has this conversation, the the wind calms, and immediately a demon-possessed man comes running up to them. They've just come off of this crazy storm where they thought they were about to die. They're soaking wet. They don't have dry clothes. They don't have a blow dryer. They don't have a warm shower they can get into. And as soon as they walk off of this boat, this crazy storm, Jesus saying, peace be still. They're looking at Jesus. Even the winds and the waves obey you. They walk off the boat. Here comes crazy demon-possessed man that nobody can tame. Mark chapter 5, verse 8. We're going to look at what Jesus says throughout Mark chapter 5. 
First, he talks to a demon. He talks to the legion. Who are you? We are legion. For he said to them, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. After this crazy thing on a boat with his disciples, telling them to have faith, now he steps out and he's got to have faith to cast out not just one, but thousands of demons. Mark chapter 5, verse 19, after the demons come out, he's talking to this man, and this man is begging him to come with him. Let me be your disciple. Let me come with you. Let me travel with you. Let me minister with you. And Jesus says, no, you need to stay. We can go to the next verse. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. These demons go into some pigs. Run off, fire. everybody runs off, oh my God, this guy was naked, he couldn't be held by chains, he was cutting himself with swords, I mean with, uh, with rocks, he's bleeding, he's a mess, he's naked, and now he's sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and somebody who saved him, he's begging, God, please, let me come with you, let me, he says, no, 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 you stay here, look at this conversation, look at the craziness, the stress levels that are happening in just this 24-hour period that's happening and how Jesus is responding to these people. As Jesus continues on, they get back in the boat and go back to the other side. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? They heal this man. They have this conversation with this man. It says they get back in the boat, go back to the other side. As soon as they get back to the other side, there's a huge crowd of people. Now Jesus has the paparazzi with him, has the Pharisees with him, have people with him, and they're walking, and then Jairus comes, falls down and says, my daughter is dying, can you come to my house? And he says, yes, I'll come to your house, let's go. As they're going, he says there's people that are thronging him, pulling on him, grabbing him, pushing his disciples, doing whatever they can, and he stops, he looks at the whole crowd, and he says, who just touched me? And someone says, what? Who do you mean he just touched you? There's Thousands of people. Everybody's touching you. Everybody's touching me. This is disgusting. There's no Purell or anything to wash my hands. Coronavirus going everywhere, and there's people everywhere. What's going on? Jesus says, who's touched me? Because there's something that happened. And he sees the woman. They have a conversation with the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 5, 34. Let's look at his conversation. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, as soon as he gets done having this conversation, somebody comes running up to Jairus and says, hey, hey, don't worry about Jesus. Your daughter's dead. All right, good talk. And it says in verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard this, and as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do you see the craziness of what's going on in Jesus' life? Comes from a storm, cast out a demon, talks to the demon-possessed man, gets back in the boat, sees a crowd, interacts with a woman who had the issue of blood forever, also interacting with Jairus. His daughter's dying, he's got to go. People are thronging him. People are coming and telling Jairus. Can you imagine the chaos and the stress of this whole thing that's happening in this short amount of time? And look at Jesus' response. Look at how he's talking to these people. He's taking time to love on each and every one of these people. 
except for the demons. He got rid of them. He's loving on these people. He's taking time, seasoning them with salt every moment that he's got. Now he gets to Jairus' house in verse 39. The chaos doesn't end. He walks into a house where there's mourners and there's people that are wailing and screaming and yelling and crying because this baby girl is dead. Death is hard enough, but when it's a child that passes, the anguish and the torment that's happening. And in verse 39, Jesus speaks again. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And then it says they all laughed at him. And he just removes them all out of there, brings Peter, James, and John in. Verse 41. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And as soon as he gets done raising this girl from the dead, it says he walks out of there, chapter 6 starts, he goes to Nazareth, and he gets rejected by his family and his people. And it says that he can only heal a few sick. Look at this just small sliver of Jesus' life on maybe a 24, maybe a 48-hour basis at the max. And look how he responds to people. And as soon as he gets through this whole thing, he goes back home to just rest and relax and minister to some people, and he gets rejected by his own family and his own people. He says, well, a prophet can't do anything at the house. It just healed a couple sick. But the thing is, he still healed a couple sick. He still seasoned as much as he could. He let his speech be always with grace as much as he could, and everywhere he went, he seasoned it with salt as best he could to not putrefy anybody. How do we improve in our love walk? We've got to let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. It's a high, high challenge, but there's a high reward when you do it and for other people to receive. I can't, I can't, I can't do anything with how people are going to respond to me What I am in control of is how I'm going to respond in love to them. I'll be slow to anger. I'll be slow to wrath. I'll be slow to talking. I'm going to be an engaged listener. Prove your love walk. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Perfect timing. I can hear those kids so ready for cake. So, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this teaching We thank you for showing us something in our lives on how to improve our love walk. How we can improve what we're saying in our own personal life. So Father, show us as we go through our conversations this week. Is it a good conversation or is it a bad conversation? Was it always with grace? Did we season that person with salt? Or are we walking away to let them be putrefied again? Father, help us in our speech. Help us in every word that we utter, everything that we say, that it be pleasing to you, Father. I know it's a journey that we're going to have to go on because we're not perfect people. We have emotions that get all out of sort, but we just saw in Mark chapter 5, you had so many opportunities to show emotions, to show anger, to yell at people, 
to cuss people out, to get mad at people, to do all these things, and you just seasoned people with salt every opportunity. You just poured grace and love on every person you encountered, Jesus, in Mark chapter 5. Father, let that be a guide to us on how to walk out our walk as we interact with people. Father, I thank you for these people today. I thank you that they're blessed. Thank you that they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field and everything they put their hands to must prosper because the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. I thank you that their body is the temple. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill and we refuse to be hidden in this earth. We will go out and share your good news. We will go out and share this gospel message. Father, bring conversations to us this week that we can use and apply these things that you've taught us today in these conversations in our family, in our friends, on social media, at work, wherever we go, in the store, wherever it is, let us apply these things to have fruitful conversations in our lives so that we can improve our love walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.